school. <laughs> Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am so excited to chat about that Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets defeat the Golden State Warriors final score, 130 to 127. Uh, wow. Just wow. Like, I mean, what more can you say about everything that happens in that one? That was, uh, that had everything, right? That had a strong start. It had an epic comeback. It had an epic buzzer beater. It had some drama in between. It had the lows, it had the highs, and it had a superstar at the center of it all. Uh, I am your host, Ryan Blackburn. Make sure to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button down below if you like our content here at Mile High Sports. I had a great time chatting with uh, my guys, Sean and Sandy, earlier today. We were talking about this game. I said, oh yeah, Denver will have like, Jokic will have like five free throws, something like that. Lo and behold, way more of an impressive game, way more of an interesting game than I thought it was actually going to be. And boy, did he put on a show. Uh, So fun, so good. We're going to have a fun vibe here. This is the this is the late night crew. If you guys remember, I used to go live this late all the time. And sometimes I still might. Sometimes I still will. Usually I save it for a special occasion because I just I, I have gotten into a pretty good routine going live at other times. Now I kind of feel uh, this one deserved it. This one absolutely deserved an epic uh, live time. So we go live at the midnight hour for pickaxe and roll to discuss what was an epic game. Uh, Jokic is incredible, and we're going to talk about him plenty. I have I have plenty of time to talk about him and everything that happened in between. But I just want to give a shout out to Michael Malone and to Peyton Watson at the beginning of this. Uh, Michael Porter went to the bench in this one with three minutes left to go. And after Denver had just gone through the process that they did against OKC, Shea hit a buzzer-beating victory win against Peyton Watson right in his eye. Uh, Denver's been going to Peyton Watson in the clutch, and sometimes he makes mistakes. Sometimes he does things wrong. Peyton Watson hit a clutch three in this one that kept Denver in the game. Michael Malone trusting his gut, trusting his adjustments, and trusting a young player in a moment on the road at Chase Center guarding Stephen Curry. Like that takes cojones. It takes balls. And I just wanted to get that up off the top just in case I forgot it later. Uh, But for sure, like this game is about Jokic. This game is about Nikola Jokic and everything that he provides to the team. I posted this excerpt from my story that I, I wrote up after the game tonight and just wanted to read it out for everybody here. The statistics, oh, excuse me, if I don't stutter first, the statistics have always been on Jokic's side, but it's more than it's more than that as he plays out the ninth year. Jokic's feel for the game, understanding of what it needs, and acceptance of what it takes to get the job done is what makes him special. When the team needed a lead playmaker early in his career, he learned. When the team needed a leading scorer, he learned. When the team needed a better defender, he learned. When the team needed him to put it all together, he learned. When the team needed him to be a leader, he learned. And when the team needed a player to transcend expectations to lift them to new heights, he learned 
that too. Jokic is a transcendent player. We're past that now. We know that he's going to be that. But for him to continue to do things like this night in and night out is just incredible. And he'd gone through a little bit of a lull in terms of the actual volume of his touches. He kind of steps back sometimes when he's not needed. He kind of steps back and understands the moment, understands what it takes in order to do things the right way, in order for Denver to accomplish the things that they need to accomplish. And sometimes that means he's not going to be as aggressive. Sometimes that means he may be passing the ball a little bit too much. Sometimes there's a lot of stuff that he like might leave on the table, or at least people feel leave on the table. And then he reminds you in games like this that, oh yeah, game that matters, turn it on. He knows what's be- He knows what's up. He knows exactly what is needed. And tonight, to be able to do it in the manner that he did was just incredible. And like 13 of 16 from the field underscores it. 13 of 16, 34 points, 10 assists, 9 rebounds, 2 steals, 1 block. 13 of 16 from the field, 2 of 2 from 3, 6 of 7 from the line. I can remember each of those three-pointers. The first one being immediately out of a time, out of the third quarter, Denver, they wanted to get this done and they wanted to get it done in regulation. They didn't really factor in that third quarter being so much of a haymaker that the Warriors threw at them. But then that last three, Jokic catches the ball, Nuggets tied, 127, about 3.6 seconds left to go. Jokic catches it at the middle of the floor, dribbles to the other side the right side of the floor when he catches it from the left side and then heaves up this bank shot. That was, let me tell you, as eerily reminiscent of that Anthony Davis buzzer beater in game one as I think we're going to (laughs) get. That that is an incredible shot. And to be able to do that and to have the coordination and the timing and understanding to be able to get up a shot up like that It takes a lot of touch. It takes a lot of coordination. It takes a lot of timing. And to put the ball in your center's hands, a seven-foot center at the middle of the floor, and be like, yeah, that's our best option. Like, that's stupid. That is just crazy. And the fact that they did it, and everybody was like, yeah, that's where the ball should go, is, that's, that's just who he is. That's just what Denver needs. And, like I said, it's his ninth year. He continues to wow. He continues to amaze. So many of these players, in especially superstar level, megastar level players, the, the Pantheon level players all time, very few of them win earlier than like their seventh or eighth year of their career as the main guy. It takes time for that to happen. And you have to develop. You have to learn from your mistakes. You have to understand the lulls of the season and then become the best version of yourself at that point. Jokic is the best version of himself right now. And sometimes it takes different forms. Sometimes he's more of a scorer like he was tonight. Sometimes he's more of a playmaker like he is in other games. Sometimes he takes a step back and allows other guys to shine. But more than anything, he knows exactly what it takes to get the job done and adapts his game so well to make that happen. And I continue to be amazed by this. And <laughs> Evan says it best here. Uh, this is the best version of Jokic till next week. Uh, yeah, he may decide he doesn't need to be at his peak. And frankly, 
I'm sitting in my I'm sitting on my couch. I've got my nice robe on that I got from my my parents for for Christmas. I feel so comfortable, and I, I wasn't expecting the pod tonight, so I just got comfortable. I had a had myself a hot chocolate, and I was just vibing out. And lo and behold, Denver from down 18, they come back and win this game. Uh, so, no, I was I was not expecting the pod tonight about this, but Jokic just does crazy things, and the Warriors frankly do crazy things. There's no way they should have lost this game. The way that they shot in that third quarter, there is no way they should have lost. Jokic makes it happen. Jokic gets it done. And it just feels like Denver found that that mode. They found that mode. And I think this is going to be like we talk about defining games. And last year, the defining game for Denver was Portland, December 8th, uh, 2022. I was at that game, lucky enough to be there. And Jokic hit that, or not, not Jokic. Murray hit that step back shot over Jeremy Grant at that one, and it basically set Denver up for the rest of the year as like, okay, we got this. This feels like that. This feels a lot like that. And Jokic reminding everybody that he is still the man on the block. I think is a it's a nice reminder for sure. It's good that it came from him because he was the one that needed to define this for Denver. Everybody knows that Denver's got the best starting five. Everybody knows that Denver's got weaknesses on their bench. So we're going to talk about Peyton Watson a little bit more in the second segment. Uh, but there's been a lot of talk about Embiid and Shea and Luka and Giannis, and rightfully so. Those guys are awesome. Those guys are great. But Jokic is the dude still. Like He proved it tonight, and he will continue proving it over and over and over again when it matters most. That's just who he is. It's just what he's going to do. And anybody that kind of pretends otherwise, they need to wait until the playoffs to see. Like, they can have their own biases. They can understand that it's it's their guy that they want to be the best, that they want to be the most successful. This is a moment. This is a thing. And I am very, very glad that Jokic was on full display tonight. Only two players, or only two two games, excuse me, two games tonight in the NBA. Giannis and Wemby going back and forth on national TV was so fun before. And then Jokic and Steph going back and forth tonight was just amazing too. So great vibes, great fun, really good night for the NBA. And I am uh, pretty happy to see it. So, um, okay, looks like... Uh, Malone had some choice words for Steve Kerr. Somebody want to pull those and throw them in the chat? That would be great. I uh, would love to hear those. Um, and then Van Gundy throwing some shade at Embiid. That was pretty funny. Like it just sometimes sometimes it happens that way. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, that was a great moment, folks. You should have heard the way my brother came into the room. Uh, he came into my because I'm, I'm watching here in my bedroom. Uh, I do this while I I do my writing and preparing for shows and things like that and doing the rotation charts. So I watched at my computer and he came up behind me and we were both watching this and screamed like bloody profanity at the beginning <laughs> of uh, a profanity when Jokic hit that shot. Like I, I don't know what pitch my voice went to when he hit that thing, but it was funny. It was pretty good. So gotta love it. These are what sports are all about, people. These are the moments. This is the midnight hour where everybody's vibing. Everybody's having a good time. All you want to do is just share it with somebody else. 
Uh, so thank you for hopping in here. Uh, when we come back, we are going to chat more about how Denver got into that moment and everything that kind of went through it, uh, as well as some some Peyton Watson talk and things like that. Uh, but first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, is brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Did you know that you could refer a friend to earn a $50 bonus this season with Superbook? They're the most trusted name in sports wagering, and you do not want to miss the refer a friend bonus. All you need to do is click on that link, that refer a friend link under your profile in the Superbook app, share the promo code with friends, and you'll get a $50 bonus for everyone who registers using your code. So win money wagering and win money referring this season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure to like and subscribe to the channel. Uh, sorry, folks, for running an ad right during the middle of this midnight podcast, but it is a requirement for me, so uh, my, my apologies there. But hey, uh, we, we love our folks over at Superbook. They help pay our bills, so thank you very much. And you also help me pay the bills, too, and helps when you when you like and subscribe to the channel. Casey Mack says, Ryan, what were your thoughts on Gordon's game tonight? I thought he was very key in that fourth quarter. He's been able to hit threes and his free throws. That is a great place to start. Like I just shared Jokic's stat line. I loved what I saw from Aaron Gordon. I loved it. He was awesome. He was so good. And now there are a couple threes that I disagreed with. The only two, the two threes that he missed, basically were the only shots of his that I disagreed with. Everything else that he did was fantastic tonight. 35 minutes, 11 of 17, 2 of 4 from 3, 6 of 7 from the line, 9 rebounds, including 5 offensive, couple assists and a block. Uh, one of those assists, by the way, was a sweet whip pass under the rim to Jokic over the top of a defender. That was pretty impressive. But 30 points, like... When was the last time Gordon had a, a just normal 30-point game? It's very rare for him to do that. He has been taking uh, a little bit of time, I would say, to kind of get to his place and, and to get to his most aggressive version of himself. So it's nice to see him really tap into that. It was really nice to see him do this, and I I just think that was awesome. That was, that was a great moment, and... It just seems to me like Gordon, Michael Malone talked about this on, sorry, I just had to think about it. I was thinking back to the moment that Michael Malone was talking to about us to us on Wednesday during practice. I actually asked him how the guys were doing physically, and he took it a little bit of a different direction and said he thought that when Gordon came back that it was very cathartic and a nice little bit of just... Uh, adrenaline shot that that Denver actually was able to get from that and that their entire team was able to get from that because Gordon does so much for the team and he's also like on top of just being a dirty work kind of guy somebody who's very physical he's also just good vibes and really clearly is just like he's just in a good place with the team and, and in his role understanding what he needs to do sometimes he's going to take three shots and he's okay with that 
Tonight he took 17 and was very aggressive. Very aggressive trying to draw some fouls too. And Denver, they don't win this game if they don't get those free throws. Like Steve Kerr's got to be pissed off about that. But they go 25 of 29 at the free throw line tonight. And a lot of it was just being very physical and like not allowing Golden State off the hook for being a small team. So it was nice to see Jokic and, and Gordon kind of do that in the middle. Murray had eight of nine from the free throw line as well. Good to see from him. Um, but yeah, it was just a very, very all around good game from Gordon. I didn't think that the defense was that great, but you could say that about just about everybody. So I'm not going to hold that over his head, but it was nice to see him really just lay into somebody offensively and be as successful as he was. The three that he hit in the corner uh, with about five minutes left was unbelievable. That was very, very good. And like, that's just one of those where if he misses that shot, Denver probably loses. Like they're just, they, they have zero chance at that point, but he hits it, keeps Denver in it. And that was very, very nice to see. Um, Murray was good. Not great. I'm not going to sit here and say he was great. 25 points, six assists, did get to the line nine times. Like I said, eight of nine from the free throw line, eight of 16 from the field, one of six from three. So that means he was seven of 10 from two which is actually kind of an inverse of what he's been doing throughout the year. So interesting to see him kind of pivot that direction instead. Had a couple steals, but and he led the team at plus minus technically, but I didn't think that he was that great defensively. I thought that Andrew Wiggins got what he wanted in the post against him, and uh, Murray kind of in foul trouble for a lot of the night, so he had to avoid some physicality at times. But uh, still, was nice to see him do everything that he could to... Uh, uh, to get the job done. And he set up Jokic really well, especially late in the game. So it's it's always nice to see those two kind of go back and forth. And then Gordon was uh, clearly the third man tonight and even maybe even the second best player tonight. So nice to see him have that game. I mentioned Michael Porter got benched. Uh, not necessarily anything he did wrong. He was a plus five. And, and honestly, like he just didn't take a ton of shots. But the Warriors weren't leaving him and Gordon wasn't or Porter wasn't really being aggressive from three. So he had to impact the game in other ways, only grabbed four rebounds in his time, uh, didn't necessarily do a great job on that end. So I, yeah, I mean, he was definitely taken advantage of by the split cuts and some of the running around actions that where you're switching out him onto Steph Curry and Curry just continues running and Porter can't really keep up with that. So I'm not really like frustrated with him in any way, shape or form about that, but because he had a great defensive game against Golden State on Christmas. So this is just one of those ones where Denver went with a different option. And the option that they went with, Peyton Watson, really nice to see. Really nice to see him uh, him step up in this mode. 19 points on the road, basically as a rookie, plus seven in this game, in, in a game that the entire rest of the bench was minus. Uh, the starters were all plus, Peyton Watson was a plus, and the rest of the bench was a minus. Watson had 19 points in 19 minutes, 6 of 10 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3, 5 of 6 from the line. I just don't like, I thought I had a handle on the kind of player that Peyton Watson was going to be, like more of a three-point, like not necessarily a three-point guy, like he was going to avoid the three-point line, be a non-shooter like a Herb Jones, somebody like a Jaden McDaniels who needed to learn how to shoot out there, somebody like that. He's just shooting, man. Like, he has confidence. He's shooting these in rhythm. (laughs) It's insane to see. Like, before tonight, Peyton Watson, 
on the season was shooting 34.5%, which is way higher than I thought it would be. And he'll probably be up over 35% now. Like, that's crazy. And the free throw line was also a big deal for him. I think he, uh, yeah, five of six from the line at the free throw line. Like, he just made all of the shots on the margins that you expect, like, a shooting wing to do. But lo and behold, like, he's taking these these shots in transition, driving all the way to the rim. He's getting to the line with the free throw line and then kick out threes. The ones that you have to make, especially that one with about two minutes left to go. That was a, I believe that was 127 to 120, what the deficit was at that point. And much like Gordon shot earlier in the quarter, if you don't hit that, if you're Peyton Watson, then sorry, like the game's over. You're probably done. You just don't have enough. He hits that, cuts it to a four point game. Denver gets another stop and then another basket and they get to a two point game and then they just make a game out of it through margins. And it's just been awesome to see. Like who predicted that? Nobody really predicted this version of Peyton Watson to step up. Like he has been a revelation in a lot of ways. And I didn't expect that. And maybe the Nuggets just saw it. Maybe the Nuggets were like, you know what? We believe in this guy. We know what he has in him. We know we have to get him out there. And so Michael Malone is, is closing with him. He's closing with him over Christian Brown. Closing with him over Michael Porter. And that is just fascinating to think about. So really nice to see him kind of step up. Like he's 21 years old. This is such an interesting subplot to Denver's season because they've got the best starting lineup in the NBA. But so much of what I've been talking about here on this show is what do they have beyond that? What can they go to? in the playoffs, when things don't work perfectly with this perfect starting unit, what else do they have? And so much of Denver last year was, hey, Bruce Brown is going to step up and fill all of these different gaps. He's going to be the defensive guy, secondary ball handler. He's going to be physical. He's going to be, he's going to make clutch shots when he needs to. And maybe it's just Peyton. Maybe Peyton's just going to do that. (laughs) Maybe Calvin Booth is a wizard. Maybe I'm wearing the robe. Maybe Calvin Booth is just like a voodoo wizard, witch doctor kind of guy who just makes sacrifices at the altar in order to generate this talent that Denver's able to add to their team. It is flat out unbelievable. So, like, look, it's crazy. I I have no idea what to make of it, but it has been nice to see Peyton Watson continue to provide that level of like extra that you're going to get beyond just the starters. Reggie Jackson's been bad lately, like flat out. He was horrible tonight. Um, Christian Brown is hit or miss. He was more missed tonight. Just definitely didn't really have it. Zeke Naji is probably not going to be a guy that they can play in the playoffs. It's just going to be how it is. And Peyton Watson's been the guy that has to step up. And who would have thought that Peyton Watson was going to be that dude? I didn't. I certainly didn't. So it was very cool to see. Oh, man. So interesting to think about where Denver's at at this moment. When we come back, we are going to chat. Uh, I've titled this The Greatest Reverse Jinx of All Time. I'll share for for those that follow my Twitter. You you probably know what I'm talking about. But for those that are just following on YouTube, I will share soon. Uh, Then we're going to talk about the standings. We're going to talk about where Denver's at because they have a share, I think, of first place, if I'm not mistaken. So... We will be right back. But first, this message from Good Morning Broncos. 
gotta love the the end of the end of the NFL season. We will see what actually happens with uh, with the Broncos, but. Uh, make sure to follow all of your Broncos uh, for all your Broncos coverage. Cody Rourke does a great job, so make sure to stay tuned here for every Monday through Friday. He'll probably have an episode at 9 a.m. today, so make sure to tune in for that one. All right. Let's go look at the standings here real quick. Let's look at what Denver's dealing with here because Little Birdie told me that Denver's basically tied for first place right now. They're kind of. Like, I'm looking at the win percentages. It's still a little bit different. But, like, the if you look at the games back column on the Western Conference page for the ESPN box score, like, you'll see Minnesota's at 24-9. and nine. They are leading. OKC is 23-10. and 10. They are one game back. Denver is 25-11. They are 0.5 games back, technically. Um, part of that is because they have two losses and one more win. Two more losses and one more win than Minnesota. Denver has two more wins and one more loss than OKC. They just keep playing more games than every team behind them, every team in front of them. So it's always interesting to kind of calculate it from that perspective. But Denver has 25 wins, which is tied for second in the NBA. That's how I'm going to grade it. Uh, If you grade it by losses, Denver has tied for the sixth fewest losses. Uh, Boston has seven. Milwaukee, uh, uh, Timberwolves have nine, Milwaukee, Philly, and OKC have 10, Denver has 11. So that's probably the better way to do it because you can't make up losses, but you can make up wins. And yet, it has been really interesting to track the Northwest teams, all these other teams in Denver's division, in the like the, the OKCs and the Minnesotas, and how different they are, but also how formidable they can be. OKC has been putting together some great work. And they did just lose on the second night of a back-to-back. So that is going to be uh, something that Denver has to deal with tomorrow or today, technically. Hey, welcome to Friday, everybody. Um, Where Denver plays tonight against the Orlando Magic. But I think that if Denver can get that one, they'll be 26-11 and at that point. And their win percentage will probably be up and over the thunder at that point, depending on what happens with them. So... Going to be fascinating to see whether Denver can actually get the one seed or not. I don't really expect them to, but their schedule does lighten up. Like, it just does. After Denver gets through this back-to-back, yes, they play tough teams, but they have more space. And they and oftentimes when they play these tougher teams, they'll get a little bit of rest in those moments. Now, they do have a five-game road trip coming up in the middle of the month, so I wouldn't necessarily like hold your hopes up that that much, but... It does feel like things are lightening up just a little bit, getting a little bit more rest, even though they're coming back on a back-to-back. This one, like, look, I don't know if Orlando's going to get this done. Denver's on a really, really tough one, and they had to fight for this particular win. But it is interesting to see whether, because they've, Denver's been so good on the second night of back-to-backs most of the time, that maybe they just carry, carry it forward. But they may not have a ton of legs on this one, so just be a little bit wary couple more things here before we get out of here. It's a little, it's already late. The reverse jinx. I love doing the reverse jinx. It's somehow become my thing. I didn't expect it to become my thing. Uh, For those on YouTube here that are listening and don't necessarily know that I do this on Twitter. uh, I tweeted quote, there's no way the Nuggets win this one too much energy spent to come back. I do this every now and then where I just try to like reverse jinx and then like Nuggets fans have picked up on this a little bit. 
but uh just try to have fun with it and say oh there's no way that they could possibly do this no way this happens and then it happens and people are like hey why did you say that the opposite of what you said is true and i got made fun of this uh fun of for this when i was on media row next to matt more often where every single time i would predict that something would happen or comment on something the opposite then happened so this has lore to it it isn't just me like being a dumbass it is like me trying to purposely do this now where i'll say oh there's absolutely no way that the opposite of what this thing is happens and then it does so a lot of fun just try to have fun and then carve out your own niche within a community and i'm glad that people have latched onto it and like some people still don't know and they they roast me and they're like old takes exposed whenever i say something like that but it just doesn't matter like we're having fun we're we're enjoying ourselves and for those that know, those that care, they they understand. Um, Steve Kerr is looking pretty dumb right now. He is uh, certainly getting out coached in a lot of these games, and he has been very very adamant about how uh, his team woe is me. Things are against us. That definitely like everybody's in the bag for Denver. Denver's the more physical team. Golden State has been shooting jumpers, and the only jumpers that they that they weren't taking, they were taking open layups tonight. So it very much felt like uh, Steve Kerr got some karmic justice after what he said on Christmas, where Jokic didn't need a whole bunch of free throws tonight in order to get it done. He just hit a half-court banking and buzzer beater, which is just, of course he did. Of course he did. Like, why why wouldn't he have done that? That's uh, That's just Jokic for you, but... Look, like Jokic was never the face of foul baiting. Like he he draws non-contact fouls or uh, non-shooting fouls a lot, but very rarely does he like go out of his way to try to bait a call. And he didn't really do that tonight either. He was doing everything he could to drive to space, making shots, doing everything he could with the floaters, with the turnarounds, with the step backs, with the jumpers, with the hook shots, like. He is not going through other people's arms and bodies in order to get these calls. And Kerr, I think, like I said, got some karmic justice out of it tonight. And that's pretty funny because he's been not on the hot seat because like he's got he's got a coaching job for life in Golden State with how he helped turn around that team. He's won four championships in like nine years. So ten years. So he gets all of the the leeway here, obviously. And he's a great coach. Always has been. Just getting out coached by Malone. That's all it is. Like, that's, that's what happens. Michael Malone trusts the young guy in the clutch. Steve Kerr goes the opposite direction, goes with his veterans. Pretty fascinating to see how that one worked out. Pretty interesting. So, uh, yes, I was enjoying that. Yes, I was having fun when he was talking about, oh, Jokic, uh, can't get that call. You're not going to get that call at around the five-minute mark. Made that funny face that that made its rounds on Twitter. Pretty interesting to see Denver kind of pay that back. So, look, Denver's really good people. I I, I tried to iterate this on yesterday's show when I was talking about trades. I was talking about the, the trade deadline and buyout candidates and trade candidates, things like that. Denver doesn't need anything in order to win another championship. They have just about everything they need in order to do what they have to do to repeat. 
Jokic is going to play 40 minutes in a playoff series as he does. He'll be great. Aaron Gordon will probably play the other eight center minutes as he does. He'll probably be great. How Denver fills in those other minutes is going to be so interesting. Peyton Watson is really making a case that he's the right guy for those minutes. And the way that he has stepped up in this moment, I think, gives Denver a little bit of flexibility that they don't have to like go out of their way in order to get this veteran in the front court that's going to play over him in the playoffs. Like Peyton's going to play. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't at this point. He has earned that right. And I don't think Zeke's going to play. I don't think he's earned it. I don't think DeAndre's going to play. I just don't think he's ripe for the playoffs. Now, he might play a minute or two here or there, depending on the situation, but Denver will probably survive those minutes because they're small. Like, all he has to do is fill a very narrow role. Denver will slow down the game, and they will make the most of the situation. But it was really about replacing Bruce Brown, replacing Jeff Green. I don't know if Denver's going to be able to do it fully. Like, Christian Brown will step into a larger role. Reggie Jackson will step into a larger role. Peyton Watson will step into a larger role. It would be nice to have other options beyond that. And maybe Justin Holiday is all you really need. Maybe that's it. Maybe Denver can just say good at that point. But tonight was a really good example of how when the going gets tough, Denver's going to go with their starters. And if they don't go with all of their starters, they just need a very narrow role from one of their other guys, whether it's Peyton, whether it's Christian, whether it's Reggie. And maybe that's good enough. Maybe they'll be fine. And it's not like whoever they add, like if that person is going to play the five, Jokic is going to play the five in crunch time. Like, who cares? It's it's not going to be this other guy who's going to play over him. So I have to keep reminding myself that, that Denver is going to be just fine because they have the tools to get it done. They have the talent to get it done. And they have the versatility. It's just about putting it together and trusting the young players to get it done. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to predict the future here. But I think that in the Western Conference, in the top three conversation that we're having here, with the Nuggets, the war, uh, the Wolves, and the Thunder, all those teams have proven to be really, really good in their own ways. And yet Denver's still the team that, when they have all of their guys you know you're going to take them over everybody else. You just are. Because Jokic is that guy. Because Murray is that guy in the playoffs. And because they have the right supporting cast around them. And they had it tonight. They did exactly what they needed to do right in the nick of time in order to get the job done. And it just feels like Denver's trending that direction again. So, look, I don't know what we're going to get. But I do know that you got to have fun along the way. You can't take these moments for granted because they don't always come around that often. You guys remember back in the 2019 season, I believe? It was either 2019 or 2020. I think it was 2019. When Jokic first got onto the scene as this amazing player, and he made like four shots in the final 10 seconds, final five seconds of the game, just making these unbelievable shots. He made one against Philly, made one against Minnesota in the same like the, the next game, basically. He made one against Dallas, that buzzer beater against Luka Doncic. And then he made one against Miami, a, a little floater that he had uh, like just over the top of uh, Bam Adebayo. 
all of those shots in the final seconds. Every single one. Clutch, clutch, clutch. Haven't had a ton of clutch Jokic moments, clutch buzzer beater type moments since then. Now I can name some. Like he had game seven, uh, 2020, that shot that he hit over Rudy Gobert in the first round in the bubble. That was awesome. He's had a couple moments against Anthony Davis. He's had a couple moments against uh, Draymond Green and the Warriors. He's had a couple moments against like Miles Turner and guys like that. But more than anything, like you remember these, you remember this one. This one stands out as the best shot of his career to me. No doubt in my mind. And I'm just never going to take that for granted because you just never know when it's going to come back around. And you see these moments. This to me feels a lot like Steph Curry's buzzer beater that he hit over or like in, in OKC when he hit that double overtime or overtime buzzer beater from like 37 feet or something like that. This isn't quite like that, but it's really close. And this is just a great player, a back-to-back MVP, finals MVP, best player in the world, making a great play. And there's nothing that the defense could have done about it. It was just a better player making a better play. So I'm 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 going to bask in it. It's going to be great. Probably write an MVP column and be like, yeah, but does Embiid have these moments? Like, come on now. Like, he just doesn't have that. So that'll be my, that'll be my argument. There's vibes. It's going to be great. <laughs> so... We will see what happens, but I'm I'm looking forward to all of the ramifications, all of the conversations tomorrow. It's going to be great, and then for Denver to probably lose at home to Orlando, it'll be fantastic. We'll we'll live it for 22 hours. Going to be fantastic, folks. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much for hanging out with me past midnight here. As I don't know, I didn't expect to go live tonight. Nobody could have expected that for sure. But sometimes you just got to do it. Sometimes you just got to grind for the game, as they say. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. Really appreciate all the love and support. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button on the way out for all of the fantastic Mile High Sports coverage. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.